Alright, welcome everybody to episode 21, Best for Business, on Tap Out Talk. We'll go over the McMahon family issues, Kevin Owens, Tony Storm, Jeff Hardy, and MJF, as we control the narrative. Let's get in. Welcome, everybody. Let's get right in. And I wanted to go over episode 21, Best for Business. This is, I want to get right in and talk a little bit about the man family issues and kind of get a little bit into that history and maybe a little bit where this whole thing could go if they can all get cohesively back in sync with each other. So let's start in with this lesson. Um, we know that we have a lot of things going on with the in-laws on the outs, as I like to call it in this first story. So we have Stephanie, who is very well ingrained in the WWE world. We have her husband, Triple H, who is very much kind of taking some massive time off, right? Not out of the company, but he's had NXT taken away from him. He's had a lot of stuff just happen to him medically, too. So, you know, and I get the feeling it's bad, but I also feel like, you know, it's a little strategical, too. Um, you got Shane. Who knows where he is? Honestly, I think that Shane is on some bad blood with how the company's going, um, and he hasn't really been a part. And, of course, Shane, to be fair, has always kind of been exiled a little bit and then comes back, and so he's kind of his own guy, right? Um, and then you got Linda, who's always stayed out of it for the most part but been the support of, you know, great woman behind every good man. And then we have Vince McMahon, who is working like Vince McMahon of the 80s and 90s, and he's just ready to be done. You can tell, right? Like, and you can tell, um, you know, it's still his baby. And, you know, he's listening to advisors that are giving him advice. Guys like John Laurinaitis and stuff. And he's listening to these guys. But the problem is, is a lot of these guys, you know, they have, you know, advised Vince for so long. Like Bruce Pritchard and stuff. And that's back from the era, like, way before when the wrestling era. They know wrestling, but they don't know and they know sports entertainment, but they don't know the political side of this, right? They don't know the stock, WWE stock era, right? The stock market WWE era. Now, that's where a guy named Nick Khan comes in. And we talk about Nick Khan a lot in this situation. I'll go over that here in a minute, right? But um, I also talk about that in another video. So here's the thing it really became. You know, it started out, Triple H became part of the McMahon family. And as he married Stephanie McMahon, which did lead to a lot of controversy. It seemed that there was a lot of turmoil with Vince McMahon and his family. Recently, Mike uh, Kyoto, a former referee for the WWE, broke some news, and he said he was asked recently about his relationship between the McMahon family members, and Kyoto shared a reality with Triple H and Stephanie behind the scenes. And I'm just going to go ahead and quote. He says, yes, Shane did advise Triple H against dating Stephanie. That's why the feud fell out, and that's for sure. It was a thing from Vince McMahon that came around many years ago. They didn't want anybody dating talent, none of the kids and none of their family. He didn't want any of them taking bumps, which that didn't happen um, for a while. And then I think Shane really had a big part of that, and that's why Shane and Triple H had a falling out for many years. Um, that's why Shane was exiled for about 10 years. Shane is still not on top of the list when it comes to WWE guys to, you know, really come in and, you know, take over the company. Where's he at now? Is he in the office? Is he running things? Is he vice president? Is he even vice CEO? 
can somebody please tell me where he's at right now because he should be there. He goes, I mean, you got Triple H out. You're going to have John Laurinaitis, Road Dogg, Scott Armstrong running the fucking business, and you're not going to have Shane McMahon there? Where's he at? It boggles me. For many years, too, he goes, a lot of heat there. It gets more interesting, believe me. He goes, it's sad because when I started working for this company, there was Linda McMahon, Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, and Stephanie McMahon. And now it seems to be all broken up. All the money in the world probably can't even fix it. They have all the money in the world. And a publicly traded company, which is okay, but the family is torn apart. And I feel like that's a big part of it. Many um, torn apart all the way may not be torn apart all the way, which um, I hope not, but it is definitely torn apart. Okay, that's the end of the quote from Mike Chioda. That's a lot he said there. Um, he went a little bit of a ramp, but I mean, I see a guy who was with the WWE very long term. I see a guy when he had an issue, and you hear about this in the locker room a lot. Um, you know, you hear about this issue between, you know, you used to be able to just go talk to any of the McMahons and get what you need, and now you got to go through the boss's boss and the boss and, you know, the whole chain, and you can't just go in there anymore and that's part of this publicly traded company and the way it's being ran so here's my take here on tap out talk um i think when he goes and talks about the feud the real feud with triple h and shane mcmahon you always felt like there was some issue with these two just generally in your heart you felt like it was there i remember there was this podcast years ago with mick foley on the wwe network and it had shane mcmahon as a guest on it and when he was actually asked about his thoughts on Triple H, okay? Shane gave the most awkward response I've ever heard in my life. And, you know, if I quote, there's one point where he says, whatever makes my sister happy, end quote. That is the brother response of, I'm not happy with who my sister married, but if it makes her happy, that's fine. That's the political response. It got very awkward between him and Mick Foley, and then they just kind of transitioned, and they moved on um, in this podcast, and they moved right on and kind of went on, you know, about it. I'll go ahead and link right here um, a two-minute video to that podcast if you guys want to see that clip um, so you guys can listen to it for yourself. It should be linked in the upper right-hand corner about now. All right, so in kind of light of this too, you know, McMahon News, the McMansion is for sale. So if you are in Greenwich, Connecticut, and you have about $32 million and you want a 10,000-square-foot mansion, you might be one of Vince McMahon's, you know, potential buyers. So, you know, this kind of ties in. It's interesting because um, Vince McMahon has lived in this neighborhood in Greenwich. Okay, their first house that they had, their first mansion they had was probably back in the 80s, 90s. And, um, you know, it was actually in the same neighborhood as this mansion, but it was not as big, right? And then in 2004, he bought this mansion for, you know, this big giant, you know, mansion. And, um, you know, as the WWE became more successful and then, you know, spent some of that money, enjoyed it. So I have to ask, you know, why now, why are you selling your mansion at this point and where do you want to go, Vince? So that's really the real deal and the real question, right? Um, you keep in mind, Tony Khan of the WWE, um, CEO or president, I should say, he just bought a huge mansion. I reported that here on tap out talk. Um, a few months ago, right, out in California, and um, I gave a distinct breakdown. I feel, and I've been saying it all year, the company is going to be sold soon enough, right? There's too many factors that line up into that. I go over all of those factors, and I will link that video right here in the upper right-hand corner right now. All right, guys, if you haven't already, if you already do subscribe, thank you so much and for being here and sharing my work. And um, if you guys... 
you haven't, that's fine, you know, but if you guys can just at least hit the like button, what that does is that gets this video and my work out into the YouTube algorithm and says, hey, this might be something that other people want to see. So I appreciate all the help. Uh, thank you so much, as always, for those that you do. All right, so this news came and broke today. We have Tony Storm has been released from the WWE. According to Sean Ross Sapp, um, Tony Storm was released from her WWE contract. Details are sketchy at this time, but we do know that she is no longer under contract and she will likely be under a 90-day compete clause. Uh, it's also reported that this was confirmed with sources within the WWE. There is a lot more to this story, but at this time we do not know all the details. Sat further tweeted out saying, I'm working on getting additional details. As of right now, I don't know what caused the departure or anything beyond that she's no longer with the company and the WWE confirmed as much. Okay, I do know um, and I've heard that Tony Storm did pay for her own flight home. So that tells me a little bit of speculation here. You know, it wasn't the company she was working and then it wasn't the company that sent her home. So she paid for her own flight home, which means she asked for her release, okay? So she went to probably the WWE. She probably did not like, I'm speculating at this point, right? She probably did not like anything um, that creative had for her at this point and they've been kind of treating her kind of rough on the main roster right under charlotte flair and so maybe she had enough of it and just said hey i went out of my contract and i'm going to go ahead and pay for my flight and go home right now um i don't blame her on this right tony storm is a one the may young classic and i instantly was in love with her talent okay she's got the right look she can wrestle and she's so young okay um, when I looked at her, my initial analysis of her was she is a female Chris Jericho. Through and through, she's female Chris Jericho. She has the rocker thing, but the thing is, is it stands out just enough to make her flourish in addition to the fact that she can wrestle a good solid match at such a young age. So here's what needs to happen. Tony Storm needs to go to AEW. She needs to get established in that women's division. That division needs good, talented women. I think the WWE is foolish for letting her walk, but that's going to be treasure across the pond. So basically, I want Tony Storm and AEW go get Ember Moon too, because that division with Tony Storm, Ember Moon, Ruby Soho, and you got Britt Baker there, who's really the big standout. And I would make an argument even for Tessa Blanchard someday. But the reality is, uh, Tony Storm would be a great signing for them, and she would have a lot of growth and a lot of future in that company. So I'll go keep you guys posted and tell me what you think. All right, speaking of contract status, we got the war of 2024 coming up, according to Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. Several discussions have taken place regarding their desire to sign him at USA Fox and WWE. That's right. WWE is being urged by USA and Fox to sign MJF. There is reason to believe that MJF will be the hottest free agent in wrestling come 2024. That's when his AEW contract will be up according to a source at WWE. So we've got a few more years of him just working. Um, the quote, he has everything we would want. It really depends on if it could be the same person on WWE TV. We want new stars to be the focus in the next few years, and that's the plan, end quote, okay, from a WWE source. MJF actually responded to this rumor on his Twitter. Again, he's one of my favorite follows in there because he's just hilarious. But he says, the bidding war of 2024. Of course he is going to say that, right? Any kind of news, controversy creates cash. Eric Bischoff taught us that years ago, right? But any kind of news is good news. Um, here's Tap Out Talk's take. 
this is just good for business. Both AEW and WWE will be seeking MJF and his services heavily, but in the end, I feel like this could be used for a face turn perhaps two years from now as the young star declines a WWE contract and rips it up and stays with AEW. Um, I don't think that MJF will end up going over the WWE. Um, I felt like they had their chance, they missed their chance, and he went to AEW, and he is now being built up as one of the major faces of the company, and he'll be retained as one of the younger stars as well. But I feel like this will be a good opportunity for a face turn in the future in about two years. All right, stay, Owens, stay. Another contract situation. So Kevin Owens has signed a multi-deer deal contract with the WWE. Um, Fightful Select has reported that Owens opted to stay with the company long-term rather than jumping ship to AEW. I had a feeling it was going to be this way. Um, they gave him too much of an open mic leading up to that, like that he might go to try to give intrigue. WWE typically does not like to give you a mic and let you talk about it, your contract situations, if they truly believe you're going to leave the company. Insiders at AEW reported that they didn't think the company would match the offer made by WWE. Talent within the company says that there may have been interest, but ultimately WWE offered Owens a better deal. Owens restructured his WWE contract in 2019. It was set to expire January of 2022. The new deal ensures that WWE won't lose one of their biggest free agent names. Um, the contract um, also has the details, and it's amazing because um, ultimately, you know, my take on it is this is a two to three million dollars a year contract, and the WWE, you know, I think they did the right thing here. That's my take on Tap Out Talk. Uh, retaining one of their younger and bigger stars and re-signing Owens allows them to still keep, you know, to be able to push him as a main event talent and also keeps, you know, him long term um, for those indie fan followers um, and a reason to watch WWE programming. So this was actually one of the smarter moves the WWE did. Um, and with him will come Sami Zayn as well. So I think this is going to be a must re-sign because they need guys like him that can do it. You know, he's onboarded. He's done well. He debuted well against Cena. He worked with Jericho for that year to really build himself up as a main event guy. And the guy that he's a guy you can plug and play in that main event at any time, and he's credible. So definitely stay, Owen, stay. And um, it, I guess the sweeting part of this deal I heard was the fact that there is a no-cut clause in his contract, which I think is very smart, and that was probably a huge sticking point. Um, the problem is, is that there's going to be a lot of people wanting that clause now to know the security is safe. But Vince isn't usually a big fan of those. But they did do this for um, Kevin Owens in addition to the $3 million a year, which I just think he had to stay for his family at that point. All right, let's talk about Jeff Hardy's future, right? So we know Jeff Hardy, of course, was released recently. Um, you know, a little prematurely, but WWE just, you know, he was on his last leg with the WWE. So I want to give you guys a few people's thoughts across the industry of the wrestling world. So this one's from Jim Ross. Quote, I hope someday Hardy is wrestling for AEW. It's a no-brainer. Can you imagine the Young Bucks and the Hardy Boys or the Hardys and the Lucha Brothers or the Hardys and FTR or the Battle of North for the Battle of North Carolina? Um, he goes, I'm all for this. That's a year's worth of matches right there easy, end quote. I like JR's perspective. I think it's very smart. Um, I think it's a matter of time that he joins his brother, Matt. I mean, those two are just, they, you know, they're bonded by destiny and brotherhood, right? So, and I think it would just help bolster and freshen up that tag team division in AEW once again. Jim Cornette on his um, pro wrestling podcast says he feels that Jeff should take his time 
before attempting to begin to wrestle again. I think that's a fair take by Jeff Cornette. I think Jeff should just you know, do some public appearances, make some signings, and then eventually the time will be right to strike. Eric Bischoff. Um, and as you guys remember, Bischoff um, has a very, very you know, personal situation with Jeff Hardy. Um, when they actually were in TNA Impact Wrestling together, where Hardy was supposed to main event, and he showed up heavily under the influences of drugs and narcotics, and um, and he was not able to compete in the main event against Sting. So um, here's what Bischoff says. He goes, I hope Jeff gets whatever help he needs. I hope he gets out of wrestling. I don't want to see him go to AEW. I don't want to see him go back to the WWE. I would hope for Jeff's sake, that Jeff doesn't go back to AEW or Jeff doesn't want to go back to the WWE. There's a time in when in order to heal and in order to stay healthy, you have to leave. He's only 40-something years old. He's young. He's still got a whole lifetime ahead of him. And there's a point where you're just struggling and you have these situations that you can find yourself in and you're struggling with the same issue over and over again. You have six months or a year where things are under control and then you fall back into it again and you have to ask yourself, is it time to change my world? Is it time to change my environment? Is it time to change what I do for a living? Is it time to change where I put my priorities? Because if putting your priorities and being involved in this industry is not helping your situation and possibly making it more difficult, then it's time to walk away. He's still young. I'm sure he's made a ton of money. Man, there's a time to walk away and put your health and family first, end quote. Um, very good, good, good point by, you know, Eric Bischoff, who, again, had, you know, that whole, you know, situation, real-life deal. He's seen the real-life struggle with Jeff Hardy when he had to cancel a main event at um, the, the TNA pay-per-view. So I feel like, you know, he really has kind of Jeff's best interest, right? So... What is my take on all this and what Jeff Hardy's future will be? Um, AEW is the most likely scenario, and the Hardy Boys would help add quality to the tag team scene, as I mentioned before. So I feel like, you know, brother Matt, brother Jeff, and I think Jeff working on a more part-time basis and not as strenuous as the WWE, that could be good or bad. But in the beginning, take time. I like Cornette's idea of taking some time for yourself and then slowly getting back in and, you know, just ride out your crew with Matt a little bit, right? Because, you know, this wrestling world is in his blood, and maybe you know he can tone down those characters that he wanted. He said he didn't want to be the high diver anymore, and you know let him kind of not put those you know that toll on his body. Um, so let's go ahead. All right, we have the Heyman hustle. So I want to get this point in really quick, right? Roman Reigns returned after hiatus during the beginning of the pandemic. Saw him return to the WWE television as a heel. Um, he did not come alone. Paul Heyman acted as his special counsel. That partnership ended on SmackDown a few weeks ago. Paul Heyman's time as Roman Reigns' special counsel has ended on SmackDown as the head of the table fired him. There were questions about Heyman's allegiance to the tribal chief, and this is how he handled things. Heyman told Roman Reigns that he was protecting him from Brock Lesnar for their match at day one this weekend. And this was the final thing that Heyman was able to say before Reigns fired him. And he laid Heyman out with a Superman punch. Soon after, Brock Lesnar came to the ring and gave an F5 and laid out Roman Reigns and, and the Usos on the outside. So what's going on here? He didn't actually save Paul, but he did come and attack Roman. I, a lot of people are starting to believe that this is a Heyman hustle and that possibly uh, this is used to make 
Brock Lesnar think that Paul Heyman is not is on his side. So that's going to be the story going into day one for their universal title. And I do think Roman Reigns retains and Paul Heyman, you know, kind of screws over the crowd a little bit. All right. And then I also want to get into controlling your narrative. So this was an interesting little thing that happened recently that I just wanted to touch on. So um, EC3 cut a promo at Ring of Honor Final Battle pay-per-view where he said he's forming a group that intends to disrupt the gatekeepers of the wrestling industry. And those men include The Titan, Adam Scher, formerly known as Braun Strowman in the WWE, was unleashed as part of that unveiling. He's been out recruiting new members who want more to say in their careers. Um, up next, Killer Cross appears to be joining the movement. So um, EC3 and Adam Share Titan, now as he goes by, both shared images on social media that include Cross as part of the faction. Cross also shared the graphic as well. So this group also includes Weston Blake, who wrestled in WWE as Wesley Blake, and you might remember him from the tag team Blake and Murphy that was managed by Alexa Bliss back in NXT. So um, here's my take overall. Okay, um, this is good for Ring of Honor and the members involved, every single one of them, right? Unfortunately, these talented wrestlers have had their credibility hurt by WWE Creative, so it's important that the group build themselves up as a nice, strong group again. Um, mostly, you know, the, the, the smaller guys will, you know, show themselves like Weston Blake, but I feel like EC3 will really have to, you know, be cool by association, and the best way to do that is circle himself with, Braun Strowman, Adam Scher, Titan, whatever you want to call him. So um, Titan is a great addition of Muscle Man for him. It's got credibility. And uh, Killer Cross was just getting started, and he just got started to get discredited. And thank God that is over because he can get back to being TikTok, TikTok. And that's exactly my take here. And this is going to be good for all these members. And I'm excited to see kind of what they do in the Ring of Honor narrative, and maybe they can cross over into other things and reestablish themselves. And again, killer cross time, TikTok. Well, guys, the TikTok, and it's, it's ticking away because that's the end of this podcast. I want to say thanks for watching. As always, like, share, subscribe. And remember, it's not goodbye. It's game over.